0: It's been a uh, busy week so far. Time for another edition of the Morning Panel. We are joined uh, this week by uh, London Police Board Chair Ali Chabar and Public Policy Expert Mojda Cox. Uh, Thanks to you both for coming in today.
1: Good morning, Dev.
2: Good morning.
0: I wanted to uh, start by uh, talking about uh, the tax rebate uh, and uh, this uh, for uh, grocery affordability. It was one of the... uh, Items in the uh, federal budget uh, on Tuesday. It's a one-time tax rebate aimed at helping Canadians with uh, food inflation. Uh, It's basically the GST rebate from before doubled and repackaged here. It's expected to deliver $467 directly to a family of four, $234 to a single Canadian without kids. That's me. And uh, $225 to the average senior. But the government's not going to check if it's going to go directly to groceries. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you do for for grocery, you know, food inflation because inflation has been going down. It's still higher, but food inflation has been going up for a lot of people making ends meet. It's 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 huge. A lot of people are going to food banks. Uh, the Spring Food Bank uh, food drive starts today. Uh, Mojda, just for you, like. Um, is this going to help is is this going to how do we how do we address food inflation here
2: this is an excellent question and although i have to say every little bit of support at this moment will count for families who are struggling so i remember a time when an announcement like this would really impact my life and immediate needs including whatever it was assigned for so if this is assigned for food I have to say most people in desperate times calls for desperate measures will apply that to their daily, you know, food expenses. But if you look at the numbers, is it going to go that far? We're really not tackling this. It's like we're skirting around the issue. We're not tackling the issue of food insecurity and access to food, affordable food in, in the right way. This will help, but is it going to go a long way? Ali, like I have a family of six do you remember what your grocery bill was the last time you went to the store or yeah. whoever in your family yeah. does this F- 400 or 200 how would that how would that contribute to your long-term lifestyle like
1: Yeah 100% I I've I feel it I know um yeah when you go into your grocery shopping and you say my goodness the cost of this like there is there's quite literally not a single item where you where you're looking and say I remember paying even last year it was you know uh, from buying some lettuce lettuce was the one thing that I remember jumping out of me going you know it's so, couple heads of romaine lettuce it's like my goodness it's eight dollars now I remember last year it was like two dollars right so um yeah it, 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 so just to kind of further expand on what Moshe was saying is it is it better than nothing yeah it's better than nothing right or um so when there's a G, uh, you're right it's a repackaged gst that's uh a rebate. rebate that's yeah. what it is right i mean you can call it the grocery grocery rebate i think is what the federal government is trying to say right but that's 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 a repackaging of it. Yes, they've doubled it, right? But when you're talking about 467 for a family or $200 or $250 for, for an individual, yes, it's better, it's good in the sense that it's better than zero, but I think it's a drop in the bucket of... Uh, and it's also only one micro aspect of a macro problem,
0: right? Well, to that point, and to what you said earlier, Moj, I mean, with uh, food insecurity, we saw during the pandemic when the schools closed, there were a lot of children who, you know, that was their one reliable meal a day in right. some cases right. and so the pandemic ex- didn't create but it exacerbated issues we've seen in communities like london but others where we do have food insecurity mm-hmm. and i wonder now as we exit the pandemic we're not out of it but we're essentially you know unofficially we're out of it mm-hmm. if we've learned anything from all of this when we move forward because it doesn't feel as though we have and we can say that for food and other issues but in this case for food
2: Absolutely. See, we need to understand that food insecurity is more fundamentally an issue um, of income security. So, yes, we want to provide these supplements, but we can look at things like our social programs, EI, ODSB. All of these programs can be elevated and must be right now considering what kind of affordability crisis we're facing. School food programs is another one. And then just really increasing access and understanding of healthy local grown food. Right now, we we are going to have a real deep crisis with food insecurity, regardless of, I think, any uh, income level when we don't grow our own food and we don't keep our food locally to stay here. And, and you know, I think this is a really complex issue. For me, I think that we have to th- think about I'm curious what Mr. Weston, Galen Weston, and the the corporate elites in, in in the food industry are thinking right now when we're doling out 400 or 200 dollars to people who are really struggling. My spouse and I do this activity, you know, weekly where we go to the grocery store and we point at items and we talk about what they used to be priced mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. And 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 really deeply, we're concerned about how people are managing to to get by because our families just. Cadence yeah. around spending has has changed so drastically that even our adjustment has been hard, like my family was hit by sudden job loss this year, and if so i i you know I understand what it will look like for a supplement like this to come into our household however, you know i I really do wish that the government would stop skirting around the issue and governments of the past, it's not just this government stop skirting around the issue and tackle what is. What we can tackle school food programs increase people's understanding of what it means to grow food locally so we can support that
0: i I wonder Builds if this leads ecosystem. to a conversation about basic income I mean we've uh, that's been one that's been around that can help and not just for food in a lot of different areas I, that uh, that wasn't where I was planning to go with this but as we've been talking it kind of popped in my head in terms of just uh, helping in different ways
1: yeah it, it definitely definitely requires a multifaceted approach, right? There isn't there isn't a one size or one simple solution, right? Because there's there's inflationary realities and then you're talking about economic growth, right? And then you're also talking about, uh, to Mojde's point, um, this issue when we're dealing with food insecurity or food prices, sometimes there's issues that only impact a segment of the population. Sometimes if we're talking about, I don't know, housing uh, uh, prices going up, well, okay, maybe that impacts half the population, if we're talking about other things there's like, but the cost of food or the price of food quite literally impacts everybody. There's maybe a small subset of society that are doing so well and they're so financially comfortable that really it doesn't matter uh, when gas prices go up or when food prices go up, but for the vast, vast, vast majority of us, um, that's a, like, it's a necessity. And so uh, it has this. So if you're a senior living on a fixed income and your grocery bills are going up, even, you know, incrementally, that has a disproportionate impact on your ability. If you're uh to, to Mochi's point, if you're a family or an individual who may have lost their job and there's that little buffer period where you're like, okay, how am I going to get by? But the cost of food, right? If you're a young student or a young child, I mean, if you're, if you're going to school hungry to your point, Devin, uh, good luck learning anything, right? Like you're not, your primary, your primary concern is, you know, sustenance and nutrition, right? So are you, how are you expecting something? And then there's that, there's the, there's the ripple effect of that that goes. So, um, that's why i think sometimes we have the closest kind of analogies when gas prices go up and say well i can't afford it yeah and it's horrible but but gas there, i think there's a false equivalency between gas and food food is like the most primary like rudimentary Necessity that we need. And so, if there's a lot of people rightfully hurting out there, whether you're a senior citizen or whether you're a, a, a kid going to school.
0: This is uh, the morning show and this is uh, the morning panel, uh, joined this morning by Mojda Cox and Ali uh, Chabar. We were just talking about uh, food inflation and the various uh, ways uh, that discussion can go. I want to talk about something different because, and this is not a Canadian story, but it's, I think, something Canadians are talking about and has impacts for us, and I just think it's really interesting, which is uh, this legislation from Utah, where they are going, they've made it so that parents have to approve, uh, decide whether the kids can be on social media, like TikTok, Instagram, and, and the like, and there are a lot of implications of that. I just generally wonder, like, if you forget kids on social media, adults on social media are just, like, Disastrous. So the the idea that the 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 adults are the ones that decide in this is is bizarre. But I don't know how you enforce this. Uh, what we think about this, uh, Ali? Why don't you start?
1: Yeah, it's not even a theoretical thing for me. I have a, I have three little kids at home. I have a ten year old, a seven year old, and a four year old. And the ten year old's already come to me, and she's starting to plant the seeds, saying, "Hey, Baba, uh, one of my friends got a cell phone. Can I?" Get, and I said, "Talk to me when you get to university, right?" But uh, uh, but yeah, but it, my wife and I have now had to begin to contemplate saying, "Okay, uh, there is the entire social online reality, and then how do you as parent, how do we as parents uh, um, uh, mitigate against those?" So you want to provide access, and obviously, you know, healthy access to the to online, whether it's you know social media platforms or just the internet in general. Which which she already, trust me, they already have it. But how do you as parents provide that oversight for your kids to make sure that they're not? Um, straying into the corners of the internet that they shouldn't be or, or we we saw even recently in London a couple of weeks ago where i think there was an 11-year-old girl that was uh um, missing and 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 had contact with somebody on the internet and they found her uh, in Toronto uh i think just outside Pearson right and so how do you how do you mitigate against that so Utah's taken this approach i agree with you devin so uh yeah there's a number of things contained within their within their bill uh, about Age verification, right? So if, if you're if you're a uh, a minor who wants to get on social media apps, well, you have to right now. It, you might when you go onto Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, it might say how old are you, and you pop in, you know how. You, but you can never verify, yeah. right? They've actually had this requirement where it's like you have to verify your age, right? Are there ways around that? Yeah, there's a lot of ways around that, right? But at least it's one it's one measure. There's a few things. I don't know. I guess my point is this: some of the things that they're suggesting make sense to me, but how do you actually enforce? Uh, those things and kids are crafty. They'll get around that stuff real quick.
0: One thing I'll just say before we turn over to, to Mojda, like with the age, age verification, one of the things I've seen security people talk about is now you're also giving like a social media company, like here's the oh, yeah. biometric data of your 11 year old child right. that we're now confirming. And so there's more and there's more data, not necessarily less. And so the, the security implications may not be as clear cut as people but, think. Well,
1: but, but we can trust social media companies
0: oh, yeah, right of like fully
2: with our personal data that's not that's not an issue at all right are yeah. you okay you'll yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> never do I anything wrong i need to check your temperature ali yeah, yeah, exactly. i think that's, exactly. that that was definitely tongue in cheek i take for that sure. yeah, I, I take that i take that you know i the real question is should the government be even sort of reaching into households in this way um, I, I am concerned on a couple of fronts. First of all, this is really not un- enforceable. The onus should be on the platforms to protect uh, their own credibility and their own liability to community and, and protect children. Um, I am also a mom and I have a variety of ages. And, and in our household, uh, thanks for sharing what you do, in our household it's our social media accounts until we know that our child is I'm at sorry. a... Uh, has the emotional intelligence and the the discipline to regulate themselves online, and that's I, I would imagine would be different with every child. And we have we went through, and I won't out my oldest who's in <laughs> university, probably listening now. But you know, we went through a, a, a sort of a process with him. All that to say is, I'm uncomfortable with the government reaching into households this way. First of all, parents don't have some parents don't have the capacity, the knowledge themselves, nor the time or the care to. To enforce something like this at home, in which case, if they were, then we wouldn't need such laws. Um, secondly, I I um, I'm really concerned about abusive caregivers who may take. Really, this would harm children even more. Um, there's different scenarios where I I just think that depending on the age of the child, that it could be a considered an invasion of privacy. I'm talking about later teens, mm-hmm. high school time. Um, because at that time, it was still our social media account in my house um, i don 't know if my son remembers this, but it was still our social media account that 's our instagram it 's in his handle it 's ours. I pop in I see I control what i what I need to comment on i will I will not communicate on his behalf, but I would check things out i 'm scoping the scene out mm-hmm. it 's our it 's our joint account this is this is I think what we need to do is provide resources and tools and more education and empower school systems and I know that the boards are really locally at least doing a great job in trying to educate children because my kids report back what they are learning on top of what we talk to them at home. This is kind of scary i don't want the government reaching into my household and telling me this i I, I think it's sound to say that small children should be protected on social media.
0: It's, it's very different from what we're talking here, but France had a, a law that they were talking recently about uh, banning parents from posting pictures of their children online, which again, I don't know how you enforce these these in terms of like, if, so I don't think, which is to just say we don't need to get into that, we don't have the time, but I don't know if we fully understand uh, social media, like governments understand that governments always seem to be so slow behind this that right. I don't know if, gov- to your point, I don't know if government is... The, the right vehicle to be well, moderating this, You
1: know, and that, and that's the thing. If government doesn't understand and parents are struggling with it, how do we expect the little young youngsters who don't have, they haven't fully developed their cognitive faculties to fully understand the grasp of what this is, right? And so to most, we do the same thing with our 10-year-old at home. My wife has, it's, I think she has like a messenger account, but my wife literally sees every message that comes in and she's not weighing in, but she just wants to keep an eye on. It. And I think that's prudent parenting. Right. And so um, but if you're saying to, to kids that are eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12 years old, um, here you go. You have uninhibited full access to social media or to the Internet. Right. You, they don't have the faculties. They don't have the cognitive ability to fully understand um uh, the platform itself, but also the threats that lurk out there, right? Adults don't have no. the, the ability to understand it. So we as a society have said there's benchmarks, right? Like you, we as a society have said, all right, in order to drive a vehicle, you need to be 16 years old, right? Because you don't have the requisite ability to to do that. In order to vote, to have the actual faculties to vote, you need to be 18 years old. But, hey, you want to get on Instagram at 12 years old, and, yeah. right? Yeah. So, go <laughs> for it, right? Go for <laughs> it. It's you can vote until you're 18, but That's go ahead when you're 12 point. on Instagram, right? So uh, we, there needs to be some oversight of this.
2: Right? I think the onus should be on the corporations. These are the companies. They're setting up their platforms. They should consider the liability and risk and care about their communities enough to not leave room for such vile behavior on social media in my opinion
0: it's a good point to end the conversation time flies i appreciate you both coming in today thank you i think I'm right. just
2: gotta
1: say happy birthday to my wife oh, i'm not gonna say how old she is but happy birthday rasha and opening <laughs> day birthday. two good two big days all right
0: there you go uh, so we much. uh thank uh, both uh, mocha cox and ali chabar for coming